0: Episode of Anime Archives with your host Ernest and John. What's up, guys? And we're back. We're uh, back. Our recording date's November fifteenth. Um, we survived T- our election at this point. And this one right here was uh, anime that we're bringing to you that we both. I don't want to say grew up on, but we did check out back maybe 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Didn't really think about it too much. And then because October popped up and we always try to do at least one spooky or horror style anime, that, this was our main one for uh, October. Yes, And so going forward, uh, the anime this time is called Higurashi no Naku Koru ni, or English, Higurashi, When They Cry. Or when the kakatas cry. Do you know what a
1: kakata is? Uh, it's a bug. It's a Japanese, like, it's almost like a uh, grasshopper,
0: but. Yeah. Now, did you, uh, you were in station in Japan for a while. Did you yeah. ever hear any of those? Yes, I did. Oh, you did? I did hear them. Okay, so now, did it Great sound summer. pretty similar to, like, the anime?
1: Yeah, I think I think they captured direct sound from them, because it sounded exactly like that. And, like the anime, I would just chill in my room when it's a hot summer. And, be like, well, I'm off work today, I'm just relaxing. <laughs>
0: So this anime is very interesting because it was originally started and based off a visual novel. The first game was released August 10th in 2002, and the eighth and final game came out August 13th, 2006. So over the span of four years, they released eight different visual novels for this. And that's what prompted pretty much the first anime, as well as the light novel, the second season, and everything that came after. So um, starting out, the anime that... we uh, originally reviewed was the first one, and that is uh, it started um, April 4th, 2006 to September 26th, 2006. It was 26 episodes long, and it's one of those things where it was very difficult for both of us to find online. Um, It wasn't on like Crunchyroll or Funimation, some of those main sites. We had to go into the depths of the (laughs) internet that puts up all the worst pop-ups possible just so that we can have a chance of checking it out and even then it was very difficult to find it subbed we found it a lot of it dubbed yeah and this might be the only time at least in the history of our podcast where the dubs were so atrocious we don't even we we don't even have a section dedicated to them
1: yeah if the dub was so horrendous in my opinion and you know I, i like voice actors english voice actors are needed in certain things but these this English dub was so bad that if we did not find the sub, I don't think we would even do this episode. We would. Yeah,
0: we would, we would have, have burned, it else, burned it and just probably done like a mini sub instead. Memories. But we were able to at least find a little bit. And what it was, what helped us also is the fact that they redid Higurashi and, and released it in part of this seasonal uh, content. And so the first episode came out around October 15th. So it, it's kind of one of those things where it, I don't want to say we were almost guilted, but it made it easier made it harder also led to um not do this anime when you have it getting re-released with new technology with the new animation and also uh, the same reoccurring japanese voice cast as well as uh the music uh, director and everything else there's a lot of people that came from that the old 2006 that um they revamped and still included in the 2020 remake today
1: yeah, and before I knew uh, more about how this anime would be after watching, at least for me watching an episode, I thought it would be just like how Full Metal Alchemist got a remake of it being more focused on the manga and more like it's... I thought maybe Higarashi had that issue and mm-hmm. wasn't fully focused on actually the light novels. That's why I, I was even hesitant on finishing the old one because I was like, oh, maybe the new one is going to be more closer to the source material. But mm-hmm. I guess we're going to find out more once we discuss that uh, how much that may or may not be the case yeah
0: and it's also one of those things where it's very difficult because this is the one anime where it goes across multiple different realities and timelines yes. so it doesn't all fully sync opposed to for instance uh full metal alchemist where it did yeah and it just drifted away from the source material right. and then they redid brotherhood where it was more um, more exactly closer to the source material right exactly because yeah, you're, you're a metal like yeah i love it
1: uh yeah. it, the manga, the, the anime, the original anime went following the manga as much as it could. Then they got to the point where they were caught up to where the manga was. And they're like, well, it's going to be a while before they finish. We're going to do our own thing. So we're going to do alternate worlds, rocket science, and all that. Mm-hmm. And then Brotherhood came out, and that's a masterpiece. So, yes.
0: I mean, it's known as one of the best anime of all time. Like, hands down. And this is across multiple different sources, multiple different reviewers. It's on almost every single list possible. So you have to give respect where it's actually due. And Higurashi, I would say, is also one of... Deserves its own style of respect. Because one, it came from a visual novel, which is very different compared to normal and how we normally receive anime. The second thing is the topics that it touched. And my... Um, my opinion, I, I think that this is almost the godfather of horror anime for me personally. And why I say this is because this is maybe the f- one that I, I can think of uh, one other anime, Elven Lied, but where, when I watched back then, because when we were introduced to this, we were about 15, 16, 17 for sure. So this was the one anime. When you think of anime is not for kids. This is the first one that always came to my mind personally because of the first, 12 to 16 episodes, you see some horrendous different things that kind of go across a lot of different, uh, characters. Yeah. And they, what they do is, um, they, they do it in a way that, um, Madoka Magica did, which is they have, very adorable cute moe characters where each character is incredibly cute in its own specific way and highlights a really like cute personality yeah. and uh, then it slowly gets twisted just like a modoka magica where you see terrible horrible things happen to these incredibly cute drawn children so it's it's almost like that shock and awe that uh originally made me Keep watching this anime, cause I'm not I'm not a big fan of torture porn my foot myself. Usually, if it's more like if you're gonna kill someone, just get it over with, just do yeah. it. <laughs> don't don't drag it out. And this anime has ways that deaths and torture that gets dragged out. That if you are feeling a little squeamish, or if you don't like that, this might not be something for you. If you have a bunch of children that come into your room, for instance. Or like your parents are around. I, I wouldn't recommend this anime personally, just because you get to a specific scene where it shows someone stabbing a child, you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> or see a child's laid out body being Yeah. Just dead. Yeah, like, dead, eating right by dead. crows and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, as it's you can probably guess, this right here is a senon is what a Senin anime can really get. It's definitely oh. meant for adults. It's part of the horror psychological genre. And it's one of those animes that you can watch maybe the first 26 episodes and you'll have uh, even then probably a slight grasp of everything. Yeah. But you won't have the answers or what you're really looking for until you go into the next arc, the next seasons of uh, Higurashi. So kind of going forward, uh, the original one that we watched was directed by uh, Chaki Khan and he was also involved in... Junjo Romantica, which is an incredibly popular Yaoi series, which I did no research on. None. I looked it up. I seen it was Yaoi. I was like, all right. That's all I (laughs) need right there. So any of our Yaoi fans out there, check it out. If you haven't already, apparently this is a really uh, big popular series that a lot of those fans really enjoyed. Uh, Directed uh, the uh, the Dead Moon arc in Sailor Moon Crystal. And aside from that was obviously just the main director of Higurashi as well as all the some of the subsequent Higarashis that came later on in time. Now, the music was by Kenji Kawai, and the music did sound a little, I don't want to say familiar, but if you listen to, say, like the intro and you listen to some of the sounds uh, throughout or the the soundtrack throughout the actual anime, it does give you almost like this techno-y feel uh, Mm -hmm. multiple different times. And then you find out that he did the same soundtrack for Rama one half and also Ghost in the Shell, and it all kind of comes together in terms of this style of music that this... uh, the creator did. So Kenji Kawai, again, this appreciate what he's done because music to me is such an important part of my life, anime, and just what I watch to where if they don't, it doesn't have a good score or if it doesn't have like a really good intro or outro, it almost gets put in a subsequent, not as important category for me in particular. Yeah. When I think of an anime and I think of like an Sky, for instance, there's a bunch of Sky out there. I mean, it's one of the most popular yes. genres out there. And for me, what can really separate an East sky apart when you see the same thing done Mm -hmm. multiple different points is the score is the anime because at that point that can almost dictate whether it could be a dark situation where you feel like there's actually risk involved or whether it's just a happy-go-lucky kind of slice of life rom-com where you're like, you know what, I just want something wholesome and the music is really going to dictate whether it can go one of two directions. And so the studio that brought Higurashi to us was Studio Dean. It's also known for Moroni Kenshin, Fruits Basket, Samurai Deeper Kyo, Log Horizon Season 2, and as I said, Rama One Half. Mm. So Studio Dean has been around for at least an influenced in our life, just like Madhouse, uh, Studio Sunrise, and a few others that just kind of come to our mind. Um, do you know in particular, just off top, like what studio that you. Uh, kind of have a preference for that you like the most? Um, studios I have a preference for. I think,
1: let me make sure I say the name. Uh, Ga- uh, st- dang, it's not Studio Gonzo, but... Uh,
0: Gonzo. Gonzo. What's I Gonzo? like
1: I like Gonzo. I have a preference for Sunrise, because just Guns and all the other series. Mm-hmm. And there's another one that escapes my mind right now, but it uh, it has made... One, it had made like the series like uh Gruen Lagan and Mm. uh things like that. That uh, I admire that kind of studio.
0: One of my favorite studios is uh Madhouse, and the big reason for me is just because of animation quality, you can tell when an anime goes to and from a studio that really focused on on quality like it happened with one punch man one punch man season one was by madhouse and it had amazing visuals beautiful fight scenes and it was really really like well put together and then you have season two of one punch man which was good it really was but because of the art and the fighting style was so different i feel like it lost some of its appeal and I noticed the same thing happened with another anime I'm watching right now. It's called Irregular at Magic High. The first season was done by Studio Madhouse. And if you really look, the visuals were so crisp, very beautiful visuals. And then you look at the season two and you realize, hey, that's not by the same studio. Yeah. It's it lost some of that crispness. And again, for me, it's something I just notice being in this world for so long and for so like such a long period of my life so i mean again the second season of irregular magic high is a good eh, but the art style is noticeably different and to me a lot less crisper than when it was originally under madhouse so whenever i think of like studio madhouse or i see something is done by them they kind of get this automatic check mark where I I know hey fighting style scenes are actually going to be really good. They're not going to be rushed or where character does one attack and now the whole fight's over. Yeah. I feel like there's actual real effort that's involved.
1: I feel like I started realizing that after we watched the eighth the seventh eighth son
0: mm, the uh, a- eighth son
1: eighth son and realized that studios matter of what studio's put in production because one studio if a studio is known for action and crisp quality you will see that but if a studio is more known for romance slice-of-life story and they're adapting an anime that has fighting in it, then they're probably going to just skip the fight scene because they're not used to adapting that kind of anime style. So it definitely matters of what, how they, which studio's adapting what and how different it is. Because I agree, like, uh, the difference between One Punch Man Season 1 and One Punch Man Season 2, how that quality changed and what was highlighted and what and what wasn't highlighted. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And so Studio Dean. Kind of going forward, ended up bringing us this horror gem called Higarashi. Now, the story itself revolves around the main protagonist, Keichi Maibara, as he and his family moved to a small village called Hinamazawa in the summer of 1983 and you almost think why does the summer of 1983 why is that relevant and then you find out that that year and that specific day almost uh, gets repeated quite often uh yeah. for the next 20 to 40 different episodes he ends up uh when he moves back he becomes friends with his old uh with his classmates reina ryugu Mion uh, sonozaki satoko hoju and rika furude and those are like the, the main cast, pretty much. Yeah. Everything else is almost supporting and highlighting. So when you think of Higurashi and, um, and you think of the story that revolves around Kichi Maibara... One thing that you should always kind of think about going forward is the first half of each of these series is known as what's called uh, the questions arc. It's meant oh. to provide a lot of questions, not really too much answers, and to make you come up with your own kind of uh, interpretations with how things could have ended in that type uh, in that timeline. The second uh, arc is also known as the Answers Arc, and this is something that applied to the games of Higurashi, the visual novels, as well as the anime itself, because you'll start to see that more answers, just like what you would in any anime or any series in general, it's usually going to kind of come out towards the later half when they're wrapping you're, everything you're, up. Yeah, yep. So, the first season was 26 episodes. The second season of Higurashi ended up being 24 episodes. Is the first season,
1: uh, tell me if I'm wrong or right, the first season, is the first season the uh, questions arc, or is it split up?
0: Uh, it would be, so, it's almost both. You could say okay. it's split up because you start to get answers near the last, like, 20 to 20 uh, six uh, episodes so okay. you'll Trolls start to get some ma- in. Yeah. but it doesn't really start giving you actual real answers to the situations until you get into the real second season of higurashi and that's uh known as kai and that's okay. the 24 episode arc at that point gotcha so why this is kind of important because as this village is preparing for its annual festival, Kichi uh, ends up learning of the legend that kind of surrounds it, which is he finds out that every year during this festival, one person goes missing, uh, missing and one person gets murdered. And this has gone for over the last five to ten years in that town. He ends up trying to ask some of his school friends about it, and some of the people around town, and nobody uh, is giving him a real opinion. Everyone's kind of refusing. They'll change the so change pretty much it. the topic. It doesn't matter. And pretty much just tries to push it under the rug. And because he knows that there's this darkness of this town, and no one's telling him, he starts he, he starts to develop this uh, paranoia about his friends, where he's like, "Can I trust him?" if they're not willing to tell me about this murder, something big, what else are they not will- what else are they not telling me? And that's where pretty much the episode arcs kind of all originate from is some form of psychotic breakthrough or some form of paranoia that eats at somebody, and it could be something incredibly small, like bol uh something small as in you gave a, a stuffed animal to the wrong person or to something incredibly big in terms of bullying, uh bullying each other, domestic violence and everything yeah. in between. And so Higurashi like I said a little earlier is not for the faint of heart because there is quite a lot of different themes that it tackles with uh, child abuse, with, you know, uh torturing each other, with paranoia, with and it's an interesting twist just on what you see because when you see these cute character de- uh cute character designs and you see them interacting with each other playing hide and go seek playing tag you know standard stuff what school kids do and then all of a sudden two episodes later it goes into murder it's an interesting buildup in terms of how they do that. And that's also for, you know, the old school of what we watch and kind of what they're doing with the new stuff that got released this October. Yeah. So when it comes to uh, Kichi, what makes a voice actor stand out to me is can I feel the emotion that that character feels? Do I feel the madness? Do I feel the pain? Do I feel the suffering? Um, I said this before where I feel one of my most respectable voice actors of all time would have to be the one that does Subaru's voice and, um, ReZero. Yes. Because the amount of death that that guy that happens to him, the amount of pain that is inflicted on him, you hear, hear it in his voice. And you could tell the voice actor, the way they scream, they must be like, Losing their voice afterwards. Yeah. Here's a prompt screaming. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's exactly. real agony. Yeah. It's real pain. And I think again, for me that focuses on music or the sounds of an anime or a video game in general, that hits me the hardest because that's kind of what I identify with. I mean, There's multiple different types of people out there where it's like if you see like a death and you hear the scream, you know, and you close your eyes, you can almost picture the death, yeah, uh, like a death of a character. But for me, uh, the thing that always stands out is usually the scream of what that character made. One of the movies I watched uh, going back was Paranormal Activity. And in Paranormal Activity, it's a kind of a B movie. It's not met with a bunch of special effects or anything of that sort. You see uh, a death that happens off screen and it didn't really affect me too much. But what affected me was right before that off screen death, you hear a scream that wakes up the main guy where he runs down the stairs. That scream has stayed with me for years of my life where and has impacted me because it
1: Oh, made
0: it to yeah. where it was so realistic. It was something where it was something I, I personally, it was a weird way of identifying with the sound, but where you felt I mean, you've seen the danger in paranormal activity. And again, this is just my example because it was a standard ghost house, a yeah. demon story. But what really gave me the sense of real danger was the sound that the, that specific, uh, the wife made where she screamed, where it woke up the guy, where he ran down the stairs. And that impacted me personally. So when I think of an anime or a video game and they use a sound effect of like a scream and they actually can portray real agony, for some reason it sticks with me because I feel like it's giving the character so much more depth than I naturally would have recognized before. Mm. And so the voice actor for uh, Kichi Maibara was uh, Hoshi Soichiro. And he ended up... It's funny because he plays a lot of different roles. So he plays this role where he gets... You know, stabbed and brutally murdered multiple different times. (laughs) Yes. He plays Kei Kusanagi, which is the main protagonist of an old school rom-com slice of life called Onigai Sensei. Oh, wow. And Onigai Twins. Uh, He played Akechi Goro in Persona 5. And he also played... uh, Oh, catchy. Kazuma, which was the main character in Escride, so this one character has played multiple different roles—from like the anti-hero to the bad guy to a rom-com kid trying to sleep with his teacher <laughs> to Kaichi—and yeah. I can just appreciate the multiple different roles because, again, I've watched—I watched all of this and I've always kind of liked the performance behind most of these characters.
1: I remember only guy since it. Hmm.
0: Man, Only Guy Twins. I was a yeah. fan of both of those growing up. So the next one <laughs> I, 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 I can't do twins. But that was I thought Oni Guy Twins was interesting because two girls are like, "Oi, we both love you. One of us is your sister though." And he's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> again, for some reason it was always interesting because you could tell the dude figure just doesn't out. want to sleep with his sister <laughs> like figure it out. But uh, I also liked it because even though it focused around its own different character uh, it still had the the Guy teacher characters in it as well. Yeah, it's like background universe. Yeah. And I myself am always a fan of shared universes. I like when I see an anime and you see a background character of like a different anime that happens to be in there. I mm-hmm. think that's a cool touch. Easter eggs or different stuff like that is really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other voices that really stuck out to me was the voice actor um, Maya Nakahara, and she voiced Reina Ryugu, which is, I would say, Reina was one of the craziest Yandere's in history, like, yeah, at least as far as I'm she, concerned.
1: She was like the staple of Yandere. Like, she was the, the see... original
0: staple yeah. before Yuno Gasai came out yeah. in Future Diary. Yuno Gasai fully Aww. changed the Yandere image to her but before it was yuno i would say reyna was the first no. original staple going forward or going backwards so um reyna's voice actor was mai nakahara and she played a juvia lockstar in fairy tail and she also played uh, reyna kunosaki that was um one of the main protagonists in dot hack dot uh, hack what signs or roots that, that one i think it was roots but the, the japanese is Tasso jare yeah. and I think it's roots yeah yeah i'm pretty sure it was roots when yeah. it comes to Uh she wasn't part of sign because that yeah,
1: so i remember that a chick i mean I, I think her character is one who uh causes the main character to go on his journey
0: yeah well she a game, played so. uh it was like the brown skinned blonde girl so that usually had like a sword and so oh that's what I thought it was, yeah, uh, that, that, that's at least who uh, Reina Reina was in uh, Dot Hack. Uh, this one, it's like if I showed you her picture, I no, think damn. you would immediately recognize be Twilight it. Twilight
1: bracelet, then it, it, all, that, of the it actually bracelet. might be the
0: Twilight bracelet yeah. one. And then the final uh, voice actor that stood out. She actually played two roles. Uh, her name was Satsuki Yukino, and she played uh, Shion and Mion. Oh, so she played the oh, Sonozaki okay. sisters. Yeah,
1: she played both. Makes sense.
0: Now uh she also played Millie Thompson from Trigun and she was a voice actor for Isuku Gain, which is uh part of the Mono series. And she was just this all powerful sensei that was a cool character that you would only her? see you'd um, only see her once in a while, but okay. she was always cool. Like I liked her character oh, design. That but that's just a series I'm one hundred percent ride or die for kind of regardless. <laughs> And so I felt like those voice actors really stood out to me in terms of their performances across um, the episodes I watched and even kind of going new. Um, but that's also kind of helped from the arcs that yeah, for sure. um, really elevated them to this type of insanity that you would not normally see in a standard anime. So when we think about Higurashi and we're going to kind of go and do a couple of the different episodes, what we thought about the characters. We always like to bring up the intro and the outro of the series and the intro. um, Ernest is going to bring us is self-titled Higurashi no Naku Koroni. So I, I kind of wish they would have titled this a little bit differently, but it's by Tomoyuki Nakazawa. And what's cool is if you actually play this song backwards, if you play the song backwards, yeah. um, you'll actually be able to hear the words "nagi ra renai," which means you can't escape. So if you actually play this intro completely backwards, like you would, you hear the words "you can't escape" through that. Mm. It's very like I subtle. Like those hidden, those hidden, yeah, uh, it's that hidden, hidden subtle message them. that just shows kind of that the psychoticness of this anime and how it's it's almost around every corner yes so uh you're about to hear it and let's see let's hear our thoughts do it
1: Once that beat drops, things get ham. Like this is, I, I like actually really really like this opening, to a horror anime. Just like how it just kicks in. Like, and, well,
0: yeah, like when you when you hear it, it sounds very dark. Yes. Like it sounds like, it almost fits a horror anime to me almost perfectly. It's charged. It's a little bit faster. It's dark. Uh, then halfway through, you have this really mel- melancholic, beautiful voice that really complements the kind of dark techno like, beat. I mean, I don't know if I would ever put it on a standard playlist as something I would actually like and listen to automatically yeah. myself, personally. But in terms of if you're going to build tension, if you're going to be the intro of a series, I think it does really well, a yeah. really good job.
1: Definitely sets the mood of what to expect.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. So that was the intro. Um, the outro at this point is... Called "Why or Why Not?" and it's by Katakiri Reka. What do you think about that that outro that ending um as c- compared
1: compared to the opening i think it it works as an ending but it's definitely one of those endings where i go on to the next episode kind of thing i think it i think it hits perfectly especially how this show sets up in like parts where there's always like almost like a uh what's it called that a uh Dang, one of the names escapes me. Where when a show cliffhangers, dang, I could not think of cl- the word cliffhanger. When the show ends off in a cliffhanger, and you buy old snaps, it immediately just sets up like on to the next one. I, I immediately thought about uh roasting it like I did. Uh, the, uh what, what was it, Witch Hunted Robin or oh, Big O? I, Which one does say one. that? Both, I think both roasted it, them the, once the intro hits, you already asleep. <laughs>
0: the outro. <laughs> it was the outro, I think it was. It was- have been It must have been, uh, which, or must have been um, Big O. Yeah, but I bet. <laughs> for me, it, it's almost uh, like a lullaby yes. because if you, you experienced maybe some form of trauma from that episode. So you've seen some terrible things, and then all of a sudden you've got this soft thing that's almost like, it's okay, don't worry about it, kind of re- tries to relax you. So I think it does a good job of trying to relax you because if you watch this uh, once a week, for instance, and you just watch someone getting tortured or is something bad happening to him it's like having this like little breather of ah it's okay don't worry about it so really nice but in terms of like a song as a whole how would i put it on my playlist personally no i mean the voice she did she has a nice voice but i don't think to me it was an ending that really resonated and so mm. that right there was uh, the ending. It was called "Why or Why Not" by Katakiri Reka mm. for uh, Higurashi. And so when we watched uh, the first few episodes of Higurashi, um, there was it's kind of divided into parts
1: uh, depending on the little. You won't say these are arcs, right? You call like little story. I would but say they are arcs. I each would the story's a little arc. I would arc. say
0: they definitely are arcs. And the reason why well, is it, because I think when the timeline restarts, that's yeah. the start of a new arc. Okay. So you had the first four episodes, that's one arc. The first uh the second uh four to is its own. And then it's like nine to fifteen almost feel or nine to thirteen, I think, is its own. And then like fourteen and though. fifteen are its own. Yeah. In terms of uh they're the shortest arcs uh because it's only a two episode arc technically speaking.
1: Yeah. what's interesting about these is that um while you think it's uh it sets up almost like it's a time thing like time is resetting, but in a sense, it's not a time reset. it's almost like that time ended, and now we're going back to a starting point, but th- subtle things have changed or other things are leading back to they all almost eating to like a dead end so' it's almost like if there is. Uh, arbiter or someone who is trying to make a better outcome mm-hmm. if it is like a visual novel mm-hmm. you're starting you're making a small adjustment in the in the beginning to say okay, instead of focusing on this, I'm gonna focus on that. So this, I'm gonna do this. Like little changes, so it's cool.
0: I like how you uh, you brought that up because it is the truth. It's a lot different than Re Zero because Re Zero, you would go back to the exact same point in time, yes. for instance, and then it would just be like okay, from this point in time, what do we what do we do from here so yeah, we don't do get do the same outcome? Yeah. Where this one, it's more like first four episodes, it's introduced as if Keiichi just moved into the the. Um, the the town, town. Yep. well episode 5 when it restarts now they're all playing hide and seek and they're playing something else so it doesn't have the exact same starting point and then they introduce different characters or different things and they make no mention of the first four episodes that originally happened yeah. so it's very interesting in terms of what they do because it's like ernest says they're almost getting kind of guided by this the narrator or an outside source that's saying okay we're actually going to start from this point on with this different style situation yeah. instead of this, where Kichi's just re-meeting everybody, re-being introduced to everybody all over again, which I like how they did that because it stops it from getting stale. If sure. the timeline's going to change multiple different times, and uh, it would be pretty lame to have the same introduction for the first, you know, episode or two. Because yeah. how Hirashi is, at least with, uh, as an example, the first 13 episodes, if we take the first four, the first arc, it's like, the first one sets it up. The second one, it's like the first one sets it up. You have like a beautiful, pretty picture. The second one sets it up to where the picture is getting just a little bit grayer. Yeah. Um, but now it's introducing just a little touch of that mystery. The third one, at that point, paranoia has set into some specific character. Now the picture is almost fully gray. And then the fourth one is the conclusion, the wrap-up, every the climax of it all. And that pretty picture is now pure black. Mm. And I feel like it has that shade that really kind of changes throughout that. And if I was to compare it, and I have to compare it, uh, because it's on Funimation right now, the first four of the original and the first four of the new one, even though the new one has way better animation by a long shot, I still think the first four of the original eclipses it on multiple different ways. Um, and multiple, yeah, It's just, I think it's just head, uh, head and shoulders kind of a, above the new one, not saying the new one's bad, but saying if I was to compare kind of a horror anime that I liked with what they did originally compared to what they're doing now, even with, uh, them recycling some of the same scenes that was in the original four, because they do make the new one, um, very similar, but there's a couple nuances that are a slight, little bit different. Slight adjustments, yeah. And so, and when you see that and you notice it, you're like, huh, that is interesting. But I, again, myself, I prefer the original four 100% um, in terms of the, as a mystery perspective, because I, it fully mystified me back then. And even now um, I think it handled horror back then a lot better, but that's also, I I don't know if that's just because of the times uh, that we were in because they had a lot less, um, a lot less stuff or maybe it was easier oh. for them to do it because like now if as an example if i stabs uh, when you see someone get stabbed with a knife you see a black hole where it looks like it is a censored image you don't yeah. see the knife actually enter them you don't see guts you don't see any of that yeah. where the original one you seen the knife fully enter in them it wasn't censored at all so maybe censor laws have changed because again these do deal with children Yes. So you have to understand that. And it's like I don't like seeing a child die. But I also do appreciate some of that realism based off the genre that I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. And that's just one thing that made it really interesting to me when I compare the two uh, back and forth.
1: I think animation has to deal with it too. I feel like the old the older school animation, especially with its color palette, really changed how things looked. Mm-hmm. Things look as the things go on, things started look less Bright and sunny started looking more gray and like faded of of these colors and how the characters interacted. I feel like the new ones have more of a three D model, while the older ones felt more like two D, two D, uh, like two two D and a half, like close to it. Yeah. But it blended well with what was going on and how these characters reacted and stuff. <laughs> so it felt like you felt like it could be a, a bright and joyful thing, and then the subtle changes start hitting, and uh, it, it leaves off that point of are a question to make at least is one that made me really think it questions like am i seeing this or is the character seeing it especially in the the first arc uh the part the first four episodes when the the character's eyes seem to change and highlight a certain like a have this weird weird feature and it's like am i seeing this as a viewer or is a or if or as a character seeing this is it because something that i would think is off immediately but the character's like that's strange one of my friends acting weird but they don't say anything about the person's eyes or things that i noticed immediately so it's mm. interesting mm-hmm. and that can happen with animation as well so when we kind of
0: go through the episodes that we can remember because we're going to be honest to our audience we watched this weeks ago weeks. like weeks so when we go back and we really kind of think about what happened during some of the arcs what really stood out to us um, the first question I have for uh, Ernest is: Did you have a character that really stood out to you that you either liked or didn't like?
1: Um, I think I I uh, immediately when it first started, I think they do a good job of making Kiichi cool. By like, oh man, I like this guy. And I think just being uh, a male and just being like, oh, I'm going to gravitate towards a male character, especially highlighting like trying to solve the mystery. But um, I think the show does a good job of making you like characters, but also seeing their flaws mm-hmm. and narratives of each one. So even as the show went on, Kichi started becoming less like, oh, I really like this guy, right? And like little things and flaws I could see in them. Especially because these arcs change differently, you see little adjustments of how these characters act mm-hmm. that you don't see as highlighted because in one arc, they're not the main focus mm-hmm. or they're not being really interacted with. They're more like side characters. So. I I like how I did that. And I think with Kiichi, what really made me fall for him is like, uh, the understanding. And I think this is something that happens when it's always like either in hindsight or when it's not being directly affecting you, when you say I would do this differently, Mm -hmm. but you're not the person in that position. Mm -hmm. So there's something that, uh, this is maybe a little off topic, but it's always like things that we say in like real life where we judge other people for the decisions they made. And one that came to mind because I was watching this documentary that about these people who who uh found out they were in a cult was just like people judge them's like oh i knew immediately that that this thing was going to be a cult but other people didn't and it's that idea of things don't immediately be nothing just starts out as bad nothing just goes oh this is a cult and this is going to start out so you never immediately when you're in a position of a new new person in town seeing your friends and seeing this change changes you don't immediately think, oh, shit, these are demons. They're going to kill me. You'd be like, my friends are acting weird. Or you probably think maybe this is so traumatic for them that they can't talk about it. And then little things start happening.
0: I like how you brought that up because it's very true. There's a lot of times we we think about the effect of what something has done to somebody, and we judge that, but we don't judge the cause of it. Yeah. Or we think, hey, we wouldn't do that, for instance, but we don't think of, okay, what trauma – Changed that person's mentality to where they felt so vulnerable they did join that cult and stuff like that and that's the thing is some of the conditions that these characters are in where it's like a horror movie it's like I wouldn't uh, split up from that group, for instance. Mm. And you're like, well, I've also never ran away from someone trying to murder me with a knife. Yes. And so it's like, obviously your psychological condition is going to change based off that situation, the traumas that you experienced and everything that happened in the past. So it's kind of always like an easier said than done when it comes to it. And I think that is very important when we real, like when we watch some of this anime, when we realize that they're, psychological condition really does impact the choices they make and just like what we do as you know humans that's not always going to lead us to make the right decision i mean sometimes it won't we do all we have nervous breakdowns like we will not make the right decision based off pressure or based off love or based off loss or jealousy or uh feel or feeling incredibly insecure and so I mean, we do see that kind of across different stories of how it's really brought up to us. Yeah. And I think these characters do a really good job because you can't really relate with any of them. Like, I feel like in a lot of anime, I, there's always one character I can relate to. There's always one person where I'm like, all right, I feel like he identifies with me and how I act with the most, so I, I can see myself as that character. When I watched Higurashi, I mean, every character was so dramatically different to me, and they were also different to their selves based off the arc so it was so hard to tell you know who was really good or who was bad they're all just like people nowadays they're just people that deal with a specific circumstance and so it's definitely an interesting thing to kind of think about i mean my favorite character kind of going at least for me was the one that stood out the most was uh the shrine maiden and that was reina yes i thought reina she had a couple really cute inner endearing moments where she was like even if everyone blames you
1: (laughs) that's not it
0: (laughs) ruining it Uh, but where kichi was having a nervous breakdown and she was like hey even if you know everyone trusts you i'll still fight for your behalf i'll still talk i'll still help as much as i can and like patted this kid on the head and when you have like as an example a 6-year-old patting a 16-year-old on the head you know trying to comfort and console them it, it brings this like hey Raina seems a lot older than her age a lot more mature or how she responds and reacts just feels so different than some of the other characters that really popped out mm-hmm. I mean there was a couple characters I myself didn't like. Like that was really apparent because I just don't like those tropes. I don't like the standard Sundere approach. Yeah. So when they introduced uh the one character Rika? Yeah, I believe her name was Rika the
1: Blonde. Short hair blonde.
0: Yeah, it was uh no so it was Rika was the shrine maiden. It was Satoko that was the short oh, hair, Satoko, blonde. okay. And I didn't like her character like at all. She annoyed the shit yes, out of me. Did. I could see the endearing little sister archetype that can, that a lot of people would really like. And I, they did a good job because of how she acted, oh. especially with some of those arcs. It did make you want to protect her. It made you want to be almost like a big brother for her because you felt bad for her situation. But I, I also don't yeah. like her as a character.
1: Yeah. I think, I, and I get, I think this is where it frustrates me. Because I think I I hear you. I think you do feel bad. You cared for her. You want to protect her. And then I think what i now what frustrates me is how that character acts when you're th- you believe you're doing what's best for the character to help her and keep her protected. But they do everything that goes against all the work that you've done. Like especially in the arc what, what you're kind of mentioning, you're just like that those kind of characters where they don't notice or appreciate what you're doing. And see more of you as almost like annoyance or something. I don't know.
0: But going fo- like going into that, yeah. if you notice that this person that you've seen is very similar to your big brother or to of someone that you idolize as a potential big brother, and now they start acting psychotic and you think, hey, they potentially could have murdered somebody, even if it's for my best interest. Right. Psychologically, it still would be hard to trust. Like, again... I have a lot of really close friends. And if one of my close friends says, Hey, I murdered that person that treated you like shit. Mm. How would you approach that? Um, Would you sit there and be like, Hey man, good job. I appreciate you doing that. Or would you be like, Oh, wait, I didn't ask you to do that. Wait, why? Wait, did you actually, you took a life and you're going to be approaching it dramatically different. Yeah. So it's like, Again, that's what makes it such a complicated, kind of a harder thing for us to naturally judge just because we've never been in these conditions of being an outcast from a village for years before the situation even happened. While also you're an outcast of the village and treated like shit, you have an abusive household that you're trying to survive as well. And then you almost take that abuse as almost like, hey, this is my punishment, you know. If I survive this, if I get through this, then that means this person's coming back. Yeah. Then I get loved this way. It's like people want to make sense of trials and tribulations. And it's like it happens, I noticed for like a lot of religious people where they say, oh, I got cancer. God's doing this to make me stronger at this point. And the, you know, so they have to almost justify a trial and tribulation with, oh, I'm going to get a reward. Bad shit doesn't just happen for the sake of happening. I'm actually going to get something good out of it at the end. And that's what some of these characters naturally kind of do, just like what will you do in reality? And, you know, there that is a character flaw, just like it is in people, because in reality, Bad shit happens to you, and it's not just to make you stronger. It's not for some ulterior good motive that you don't know about or recognize. Sometimes people are just dicks to be dicks. Sometimes evil is evil just for the sake of evil. Or you get something, and it's not because some benevolent being is trying to make you stronger to teach you a specific message. It's just, unfortunately, that's what reality is. And that's why there's people that grow up in shit parts of the world, like Afghanistan. Or El Salvador, where they don't ever and will never have that specific way out. And it's like some of those people will sit there and be like, hey, this is just a test. If I'm just here, you know, and I overcome it for a long period of time, something good will happen. And you need that hope to continue to go on like you need that. It's that important. But also. It's very unrealistic, because if you suffer and choose to suffer as a means of atonement, how there's no real proof that you will feel that atonement. Yeah.
1: I think what's also powerful, uh, while I started thinking, what I was thinking about as you were talking, was um, how this being a choice scenario thing, it really highlights that when you are a person playing like these kind of games or playing games where you get to choose how your character is going to respond to something or interact, you're giving a, uh, you get a glimpse of what you're going to either say or do, how your action will be, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's exactly how things will unfold. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you think you pick the best option and you expect the best result immediately, Mm -hmm. but your best result might not be the best result to that person. So there's times where people might react differently and you think your decisions games like, uh, and you can definitely uh, highlight this more uh, like the Witcher three, you think you're doing, sometimes you think you're doing the best intentions and having the best outcome. But in reality, you never know how those, those effects will actually happen until later on until a long time has passed well
0: if we take that in terms of the realm of reality what mean you live in now have you ever met somebody in your life that gave you really bad advice like uh when they gave me advice and i said it was terrible well you didn't have to say or call them out was terrible but you thought oh this is not good advice for me in particular yeah okay so there's people out there that will have your best interest in their heart. They genuinely think that their advice that they're giving you is right for you. Yeah. But to you in particular, you're like, that would set me back years. That's not a good option. That's terrible. Yeah. And so that doesn't mean that that person has anything against you or that it's anything wrong. Sometimes you get bad advice from good people. And that is a natural thing that happens to us today where you think, hey, Ernest, you shouldn't do that. It's like, in my, like back then in the day, I told you uh, that I didn't think you should go in the military, right? Yes. So I was like, and that was based off what I thought was best for you. Now, it was bad advice from a good person because at that point, you listened to it and you're like, if you would have listened to me, your life could have been dramatically different. Mm. And let's be honest, it could have put you in a dramatically worse place. Mm. We don't really know how those cards would have fallen if you would have listened. But you sat there, you got that advice, and you're like, you know what? I'm still going to go my own route. You know, I might respect this person. I might trust this person and I know they have my best interest, but that's not, that's not what I need to hear. That's not advice for me. And you went your own specific route. That's how people are in the, like nowadays. And there's a lot of times where I have a person that's a plumber or a person that paints houses be like, Hey, your transmissions out. They, they don't know how, how to work on cars. They don't know anything about cars. So I'm not going to ask a painter, How if my car is working correctly, I'm going to ask somebody, for instance, that is a mechanic that's in that specific field. And that's just like a trope or something that we've seen in this anime where it's like, what? obviously, they have your best interest in their heart. They did something to try to protect and help you. Why do you not acknowledge that? Why do you not see that? And that's because for that one person, that wasn't helpful. That wasn't what they wanted. That didn't help them. You thought it did. They don't take that as that. And that's what makes some of these like whether it's a horror show movie or this anime really interesting because you don't really know. You might think you're doing something good for somebody, but you could also be hurting them. Yes. And so that's why it's incredibly important to surround yourself with multiple different people that have multiple different opinions. You got to make sure, Okay, if I'm getting advice from somebody, am I getting advice that's from a yes man? That's going to hype me up no matter what, or am I getting advice from someone that's more of a realist, where they're grounded, where they're going to tell you not just the pros, but also the cons, so that you're aware of both. Sometimes you need a yes-man cheerleader in your life, okay, like on a race or something of that sort. But if you're going to have, for instance, like a business that has a high risk and low rate of return, maybe listening to that yes-man is not beneficial to your life. And again, this is just kind of going with some of the interesting characters and how they react with each other and Higurashi, because it is a mystery style anime. There is some answers you will you have to figure it out yourself. Yeah, you have to kind of think, okay, maybe this is what happened, or maybe it's actually this instead, and you won't have a real clear, concrete answer. Yeah,
1: and and I I think I like that because thinking about the first arc with the first four episodes, I immediately think about how uh, we, the viewer are seeing the perspective from kiichi and how he is dealing with the possibility of this curse and his friends are acting weird or doing things that are suspicious and his immediate thought is you know uh i'm gonna um contact this police guy who gives him more information and then they this guy gives the trust to a 12 year old to be his inside Mo and figure out these things. So even when I watch it, I think, yes, the curse is here and people are uh, attacking him. But you could also have the argument of his paranoia, par- his own paranormal. paranoia is making it worse for him and he's thinking everyone's out to get him. Mm-hmm. And when I see people's eyes change, that's just him, the, the paranoia saying that he's seeing these changed things or when his friends are actually being caring and trying to bring him food. And he finds out, oh, uh that there was a needle in that food. But when he goes back to his kitchen, when his parents aren't there, it's cleaned up. So it's like, did I clean it up or did I hallucinate that? Mm-hmm. I was in my bedroom. Uh, was I sleeping? What's happening? Mm-hmm. Or when um, it, things just escalate. Mm-hmm. And you you either can say all this happened, like he was right the whole time. Or you could make an argument that he was so paranoid and freaked out because of something else that uh, affected him that he created this whole this whole arc of himself mm-hmm.
0: and that's the thing is it makes you really think about it yeah. i mean when i think of that first arc though and i think hey. of this specific girl that's dropping off food that and i slam her fingers in a door and now she's waiting in the rain and she's saying i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry that bitch needs to get hit with a bat yeah. i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's you or me and you're out in the rain for an hour saying i'm sorry, <laughs> I'm, sorry I'm sorry i'm sorry and that's all you're doing I immediately can identify and understand that paranoia feeling, and I think it. What
1: made me think about that uh, just now is just like when when we have the real world uh, circumstances. I remember we have a fr- uh, had a person that we knew who felt that they were being gang stalked, and me not having the understanding of what that means mm-hmm. and never thinking that like, and then having you say. Hey, Honestly, you got to see from a person's point of view, and then do more research. Don't just say that could never happen and brush it off. Because Mm -hmm. if you truly care, you got to go. Let me see if this is a thing, and what what factors make it. Because it's not just say it's not just randomness and craziness, and you got to have a
0: bigger understanding instead of brushing something off. And that's the thing. So I feel like this anime at least does something a little interesting that a lot of anime doesn't do, which makes you think. It makes you really yeah. kind of sit there, understand characters' motives, characters' reactions. Because their archetypes do naturally kind of change as the seasons, uh, as the episodes go. And then it resets. So then you're like, well, wait. Okay, maybe I could just take a little bit of that. Now I can apply it to this. Maybe I'll fill in a little bit more. Okay, so they introduced white vans. Okay, I see a white van in this archetype. Oh, maybe it's now be based off the hospital. And you're yeah. able to, to Take a couple of hints from multiple different arcs and kind of come to what you think is happening. And again, I like some anime that actually do that. If they do it in an interesting, good way, I can say, am I interested in the mystery? I I am. Like, it's a really interesting uh, mystery in terms of kind of what they did. And my major thing is, would I be interested if, for instance, it wasn't, if it was, for instance classroom of the elite characters opposed to these moa q characters and what i mean by that is if for instance you take the standard high school tropes and you have like the high schoolers would that make as much of an impact on me as this one class that has k through 12 in it for instance where they're now dealing with little children and because again for me there's almost not too much shit that's scarier for me than like a psychotic like little child like yeah you're turning so. purity and innocence into something that's dramatically different so to me it's like it can almost get like scarier mm-hmm. and so it's so all like how uh when we did
1: um a corpse party we just we talked about that the last year um in october just had a little thing of creepy things happening to kids young and other responsibility how that can really that purity in that, like, the world is, world's tinted glasses, everything's perfect. And then you realize, oh, you're in the shit. hmm
0: yeah. And so, when you think about, like, the first few arcs of what you've watched, uh, did you have an arc that you kind of, that stood out to you that you liked? Or or that stood out opposed to the other few ones?
1: I think the beginning arc was good, just to start the episode. I think another one that I really enjoyed, uh, pretty sure it was the second one, Um because I, I only watched the first 14 episodes mm-hmm. um uh was the second yeah was a second arc about the sisters when you find out that uh, moa Mino mm-hmm. has a, tw- a twin sister mm-hmm. and um how I think and at that point after the first arc change you think oh I, I see things are gonna happen a certain way where like you think the first episode they kind of set up this thing where uh it's almost like the towns against him like if you go against the town people come and then it totally doesn't go that way
0: well it kind of does though because in the second arc when he went on a date with shion um remember when he knocked over that bike yeah and it was those three bikers that were like they're about to mess him up and what happened they immediately got surrounded by these townspeople yeah that was gonna mess him up and then the bike people like ran away so it was like the town has a, no problem, like flipping a switch to make an enemy out of anything that they feel is going to endanger it. Whether it's Kichi, because he's asking too many questions, or it's just people that's damaging what belongs to that town. Yeah,
1: and I think I think that I think that goes to so show that the whole questions are that those are little information that if you're if you know that these are time loops, you're taking these notes down. You're like, okay, this. But when it comes to the big bad of that arc, it's not about the town itself. It's about structures in that town Mm -hmm. and you figure out about one character is part of this this organization thing and then uh one choice that you made because you saw one character as being less girly than another that's going to come back and haunt you and you thinking you're and that whole noble sacrifice thing of being like uh when you try to plead to someone and try to humanize them say you're i know you can beat this you can do this you're my friend i care about you you're like yes i did it you know and you it made me, there's many points in that art that made me scream that almost like yell at my, as a watch watching One of the goofiest ones was that a character survives almost death in his face. And then he's at his house chilling and he looks outside the window and he sees that person who almost killed him. And he goes, you know what? Let me go talk to him one last time. Let me go see how they're doing. Because I know they're on the run and people are looking for him. What? You're here to stab me? No. I was like. I would have called the cops or threw a rock or do something. I'm not going out there and setting things up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah.
0: Especially when you also know that that character, if you take some of the previous arcs into account, moved to that town, not too much sooner than that. Yeah, So it's like mm, a little weird to me, but again, we we are on the same page when it comes to that. But not, because of the time period of when this was released, mm. I mean, maybe they, they had to, like, throw that in there just to be, like, give it more of kind of a darker ending. I honestly don't know. But I do know that I I was very frustrated when that one wrapped up because it was like, really? Really? Like, you're going to go out there? Yeah. They told you not to do it. They said this is the last time.
1: And they do that. They did a goofy, almost like Goosebumps-esque scare where yeah. it's a person, like, he, sur- he survives that stab wound and then he's, he's in, in, the in the hospital. hospital. They said, What's her name guy once someone died she I guess she committed death by suicide by jumping out of the wind jumping from the hospital he's like damn then he's like, well, I'll see you later. He's just laying in bed like, man, that's shame. And then a girl pops out under the bed and goes, hi, I'm back, motherfucker. Here's some
0: nails and a hammer. When you're saying there's not a single nurse that would have <laughs> casually happened to see a girl hiding under a bed when they walked in the damn fucking like actual hospital room, that's not how hospital yeah. rooms are. They don't just have sheets magically cutting off underneath the bed. That's ridiculous. Yes. That it make sense? But again, little stuff like yeah. that where but we do spooks. notice it. Yeah, and I like how you did mention because it, it was incredibly goosebumps. Yes, uh, Tales from the Crypt. Are you afraid of the dark? That style of vibe where it was like, all right, you'll only get away with that because you were you were made in like the early two thousands. Yes, like if you were made now and you did that, oh, i would be ragging on that all day. Yeah,
1: there was one arc that was goofy to me that I watched. I finished it with you. That was that was super goofy, and that was the sister sister arc at the very end. I just thought, uh, people somehow people get superhuman strength. I felt like to a point, uh, in that arc.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, the arc itself does, or not the arc, but the series itself does kind of cross into the occult, supernatural. So it's like it's easier for me to believe in super strength out of nowhere because they're talking about curses, they're talking about stuff that doesn't exist, yeah. uh, and viruses. Oh, and I
1: will say, in that arc, they there was more questions of does this person have ability to say something or wish something to existence Mm -hmm. and it will happen and that and that was and that did happen
0: as well so it's like if you go into this uh anime in terms of you like mystery you want to figure it out and you're okay with some hyper violence i think the average viewer might genuinely like it yeah If you are squeamish, you don't like hyperviolence. You don't like seeing Moa cute, adorable characters get changed to kind of like, what would you even say? Like Madoka style where you see them get killed in multiple different ways. Then you might personally, I think, might need to stay away from it. I mean, this, this anime does have a huge cult following. And it's, I mean, obviously too enough to where they brought it back years later yes. while still years. keeping a majority of the people who worked on the originals. So you do have to, it, it does have to say something for itself. For and sure. there's not too many animes that have light novels, web novels, video games, anime itself, OVAs. Mm-hmm. You don't really see too much of that as well. Like in terms of they, it conquered a lot of different platforms. Yeah.
1: And and I think this style of show like I like how it does arcs and does these breaks like either four or five episodes give or take mm-hmm. you finish one because it really allows you to take a breather watch something else and really by all of me jump on something else before I continue on it's not one of those binges because there's some horror animes where you watch all of it and it just suffering 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 and then there's a conclusion and you're just like well uh, there's no relief it there's was no like, yeah it's uh, more more like i'm glad you guys saw that one but it was more like people are still dead Mm -hmm. and this one it's almost like you are playing a game and you're you're playing a game like this is a game that comes to mind uh uh what was it it was this horror game they made uh not too long ago where you and your friends go to this uh vacation home in alaska and uh people start getting killed a vacation home i don't know if it was in alaska are you it talking was in a about snowy until place. dawn until dawn yeah yeah because i know it was in, it like was in winter f- yeah. yeah until dawn is what i'm thinking about and in it and until dawn um uh you you have the option of you can make an ending where you save everyone yeah you can do everything perfectly make perfect choices so it's almost like you have that ability to do that in this show like there's an arbiter or someone is hinting towards making that a possibility having a perfect ending that at least everyone is satisfied or almost satisfied mm-hmm. uh but in like game one anime like unknown you don't have that possibility mm-hmm. you just people are dead and you solve the mystery but yeah, those like people are still dead yeah courts party like uh it's more our chapter base and the only time they actually made a sequel to the game was because people were like I want a, a game where I can save everyone mm-hmm. and have that perfect ending mm-hmm. uh but yeah I I, I, I I think that's a highlight about the show. Just like you, it's a cool mystery that unfolds, and you don't have to watch it all in once. You can watch arcs by arcs, and then you can have a brief understanding of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Even if you take a weeks or so off, you will remember those arcs.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what would you? What are your final thoughts? Kind of wrapping up uh, the Higurashi style. Like- um,
1: yeah, I highly recommend. I I definitely say give this a watch. Um, check it out. See if you feeling. I think it worked perfect for October. And uh, looking over, I wish I was able to give it more time and got back to the second season because I did like how the stories were unfolding and things are changing. And with the new announcement, of the new show watching that, I saw how much I liked the purity and how the difference of the old one looked to the new one. And even though I didn't see like the stat, the wounds that you were talking about with that, they blank out some of the gore. I liked how the old ones got around with that by just having like shadows of your character of a character using a bat and banging on someone and you just see uh, these shadows hit the wall mm-hmm. and you just see and you can tell the violence and stuff and the paranoia and it and how it cut away from one thing one moment a person's getting a needle, you think they're gonna stick in one needle to another one of uh, him some a character's fighting them off and then you're like, Oh, well, hopefully he survived the needle and then it cuts to seeing the needle all the way injected as if he was fully injected Mm -hmm. and then seeing what happens afterwards it it just i think it's good visualization and it also lets you know that it shows that the director of the series doesn't think the viewer is dumb and that you can put two and two together or get the information on what's happening and what isn't happening so Mm -hmm. it's really good
0: i would say if you are looking for kind of a darker sent in i would highly recommend this if you can find it uh, the subbed original version i would recommend that myself the most just because it's a great starting point uh you'll be able to go into the next 24 episodes after that uh it's hard for me to recommend the brand new higurashi just because they have a, a spoiler within the first two episodes where at least in the other one they make you go 16 17 episodes yeah, before, before introducing that and i like that format a lot more i like the questions arc and the answers are I, I like the mystery myself i like it kind of getting uh fed to me and which I think the new Higurashi kind of does to its viewers. So, again, if I have to choose, I would say definitely check out the old one. If you can find it online. If you can't, well, yeah. Funimation does have the new one. Uh, yeah, w- Watch what you can.
1: I think you definitely, if you really tried, you definitely find it. Because there's fans out there who definitely, uh, you can find ways to actually watch the old one and
0: see that comparison. So that right there is going to wrap up our Higurashi no Naku Koro-ni episode.
1: Yes. And uh, as as for like announcements, as uh, John gets ready for what we're going to end off with, music this week, um, uh, we're going to change some of the, because the new year's coming and things are coming, we're going to change our style of how we approach um, anime archives and do some adjustments. adjustments to or to improve quality and just make it more sound so that we can talk about things in more detail without feeling like we have to be very spoiler free so we'll be able to announce more later on in the next weeks um in one of the podcasts and we'll tell you the new style but i think it will be better and hopefully we'll try out more and hopefully you guys will like it but until then we're gonna play out some cool
0: anime songs john you got it yeah so the song that we will end off on is from one of my favorite Japanese bands of all time called The Pillows. And the song itself is "Full on the Planet.